to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. You're listening to the Friday Fix. Every Friday, I share a quick mental strength exercise that will help fix the thoughts, emotions, and actions that drain you of the mental strength you need to be your best. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Today, I want to talk about how to stay mentally strong when you're feeling depressed. But before I jump into talking about my favorite exercise for combating depression, I want to clear up a common misconception. People often mistakenly assume that depression is a sign of weakness. It's not. Anyone can develop depression, and it's not due to some sort of character flaw, and it's not a sign that someone is lazy or incompetent. There's a whole bunch of genetic, social, and emotional factors that contribute to depression. But depression's often misunderstood. Some people think that you're either depressed or you're not depressed. But the truth is, there are lots of different kinds of depression, and it can vary greatly in severity. You might have seasonal affective disorder, for example, which is a type of depression that only strikes during the winter. Or you could have major depression, which affects almost every area of your life, like your appetite, your ability to sleep, and even your ability to work. Showering, getting dressed, and eating sometimes feel too overwhelming to do. People with mild depression might not necessarily look depressed to the outside world, but they might be battling an internal struggle that they keep really well hidden. Other people appear more irritable than sad when they're depressed. They might have a really short fuse and little tolerance for people or situations that they find frustrating. And depression is pretty common. It's estimated that about 7% of the adult population has a depressive episode in any given year. I predict that that statistic is probably a lot higher during a pandemic. And it's important to remember that it's tough to gather data on how many people are actually experiencing depression. A lot of people never get help or they wait a really long time to get treatment. But it's safe to say that you've likely either experienced a depressive episode yourself or you know somebody who has. There's lots of different treatment options available for depression, like medication and talk therapy. Most studies show that they work best when they're used together. But when you feel depressed, your brain will try to convince you that nothing is going to work. Your depression will try to talk you out of seeing a therapist or telling your doctor. It will work really hard to convince you that you're helpless, hopeless, and maybe even worthless. Depression will also try to trick you into doing things that keep you depressed. It might tell you to stay in bed all day or to stay away from your friends and family. Doing things like that, though, only fuel your depression. And of course, when you're depressed, it's really hard to eat a healthy diet, to sleep a healthy amount, and to exercise. But not doing those things will make depression even worse. Reducing depression and feeling better requires you to act contrary to what your depression tells you. You can't believe everything that you think, and you have to do things that you don't feel like doing. So in a minute, I'm going to tell you my favorite exercise to combat depression. It's backed by science, and I've seen it work for a lot of people in my therapy office. I use it in my own life, too, and I find it really helpful. It's called Pleasant Activity Scheduling. 
Like a lot of the exercises I share, it sounds really simple on the surface. In fact, it sounds too simple to be helpful. But try it a few times and you might figure out for yourself that it really works. And remember that if you're feeling depressed right now, your depression will try to convince you that you shouldn't bother trying. It will tell you that it's not going to be helpful and that it's not going to work. That's just what depression does. It tells you things that aren't true. But here's the truth. Scheduling pleasant things to do can really reduce your depression. The science behind it shows it packs a threefold punch that can greatly reduce your symptoms over time. Here's how it works. Schedule something fun to do. It could be anything from playing a game with your family to visiting with a friend. But plan when you're going to do it and put it in your calendar. Having something to look forward to boosts your mood. And then when you actually do that fun thing, you get a second boost in your mood. Once you've completed it, you've created a positive memory that can give you a third boost in your mood. Regularly scheduling fun things to do combats depression over time. Of course, though, during the pandemic, finding pleasant things to do has become a lot more complicated. You can't go to concerts, you can't go to dinner parties, you can't do a lot of the things that you might typically enjoy. Instead, you might have to get kind of creative when it comes to finding fun things to do. And you may need to schedule those fun things even though you're just going to do them at home. Which sounds really weird. After all, why would you schedule a Netflix movie on Friday night at 7 p.m.? Especially if you live alone. Well, scheduling is a really important part of the process. You have to put it in your calendar so you have something to look forward to. Putting it in your schedule also increases the likelihood that you'll actually follow through and do it. So even though it may seem a little bit strange, give it a try. And remember, your pleasant activities don't have to be giant things. They could be something small, like a hobby or just a low-key activity that you enjoy. I've used it over the years with lots of my therapy clients who have found it helpful, but there's one situation in particular that stands out in my mind. I was working with this man who was in his mid-40s, and he had tons of anxiety. He lived with an elderly dad that he helped take care of. He had a college degree, but found that his first career was too anxiety-provoking, so he quit and began working at a customer service position that didn't necessarily require a degree. And his company tried to promote him a few times, but he always declined, saying that he didn't want to add more stress to his life. He went so far to reduce his stress in his life that he really didn't do anything. He spent most of his spare time reading or watching TV. He never went on dates. He rarely saw friends. He didn't leave the house unless it was to run an errand. All of the things that he was doing I guess I should say all the things he wasn't doing, were keeping his anxiety at bay. Living that far inside his comfort zone, though, caused him to become depressed. His life had become so safe that he was bored and he felt awful. In therapy, he had to learn that he could tolerate a little bit of anxiety and that putting himself out there and doing fun things is exactly what he needed to combat his depression. So we talked about scheduling some fun things. He had a lot of things that he used to like to do, like go to a baseball game. But now the thought of traveling out of town felt anxiety provoking. What if he got a flat tire or what if the weather was bad? He worried about all the bad things that could go wrong. So we worked on facing the things that caused him anxiety so he could schedule fun things to do. He took this task really seriously and he started scheduling at least one activity every single week and he scheduled them a month in advance. He reached out to a couple of his friends that he hadn't had contact with in a while and invited them to a baseball game. He made plans to go hiking by himself and he took his dad to a national park. And of course, scheduling those things raised his anxiety a little bit. 
At the same time, though, he found that having something to look forward to decreased his depression just a little bit before he even took any action. And then once he started doing the things that he scheduled, he felt better. Of course, he didn't always feel like doing them, though. His depression tried to convince him that he was too tired or that it just wasn't going to be any fun. But he worked on it. He pushed himself. And over the course of a few months, his depression started to lift. And he came to the conclusion that he just couldn't do those things spontaneously. If he waited until he felt like doing something fun, he'd never do it. He had to schedule them in advance and then push himself to take action, which meant he had to act contrary to how he felt. It worked, though. Over time, he felt much better. And during the course of all this, he also had to figure out how to manage his anxiety because his anxiety tried to convince him that bad things were definitely going to happen, like he might get into an accident. But he learned that he didn't have to believe those voices either. And so he pushed himself to do as many fun things as he could over the course of a few months, and his depression started to lift. Pleasant activity scheduling isn't a cure-all for every type of depression or for everyone who's struggling. But it is one exercise that can reduce a lot of the symptoms and help a lot of people feel better. During the pandemic, I found it can be especially helpful when the days all sort of blend together and our routines become kind of boring. Having something to look forward to goes a long way toward helping me feel better. So go ahead and give it a try. Schedule something fun so you have something to look forward to. Then push yourself to follow through and actually do it. You might find that it does wonders for your mood. If you're really struggling, though, make sure that you reach out to someone. Talking to your physician or mental health professional might be the key to helping you manage your symptoms. Now, before we go, I just want to take a quick minute and read a message I received from one of our listeners. Here's what Jennifer said. I spent most of my life in a dark depression. I thought I was just born a weak person who couldn't cope with life. I tried to smile a lot and hide my depression because I was embarrassed. But sometimes I couldn't force it. A few months ago, I finally decided to get help. I started talking to a therapist, and now I feel so much better. I'm making mental strength training a big part of my life, and it's helping. Before I could get better, though, I had to realize that depression isn't a weakness, and neither is asking for help. Thank you for your podcast and all the lessons you've taught me already to help me grow stronger. Jennifer, we're so happy to hear that you're feeling better. It takes so much courage to ask for help and to see a therapist. So I hope that your message and your story inspires other people to do the same. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.